0: International cricket returns to Auckland for the first time this summer. In fact, tonight, the Black Caps up against Pakistan. And you know what the great news is? You can listen to it all right here on SENZ with Tom Bartlett and John Bracewell on the call from 7 o'clock. And hey, what do you know? But we might have one John Bracewell with us right now, in fact, ahead of the game. John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Are you looking forward to this one?
1: Yeah, I am, Kim. I I think it's now it's that uh, you can almost taste the World Cup around the corner. Um, And I think that New Zealand has gone through a little bit of a pre-live at the beginning of the season with uh, uh, the home and away series with uh, Bangladesh. But now with Pakistan, who I think are serious contenders at uh, at, at the coming up World Cup in the West Indies, I think that we'll get a real measure of where we're at. And I think that Gary Stead and his team will get a a good understanding of what they need to either get right or perfect leading into that World Cup. So it's a pretty important time and it's a very important series.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those really interesting periods, I think, at the moment. We're seeing a lot of chopping and changing. You get to see a lot of different players, but also a lot of players who are being rested for various reasons, whether it's, I guess, the most obvious, in this case, Racham Ravindra, uh, who's not playing in this particular series uh, after a long touring stint. Do you kind of agree with what they are doing there as they try and figure out their best combinations for that World Cup in June?
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, as you say, that's at play um, in the modern day uh, cricket environment. Uh, in particular, the calendar um, and how that works with players who are on uh, one individual contracts, let's mm. say the Trent Bolts of this world, uh, the Colin Munroes who spend their life uh, franchising and then come back and perhaps are available for or not available for international cricket. But somebody like Ratchin Ravindra, I think he's a really interesting case because of the amount of cricket that he had in such an exhaustible period of time. Uh, not only um, uh, internationally uh, and the success of that, but also with a vision for the future as well. So there are a lot of things that have to be taken into account. But one thing I know that Gary Stead has seemed to get right over the last few years is getting his teams to be able to peak for international tournaments. Mm. Uh, And... I think nothing better than the way that New Zealand performed at the the fifty over World Cup, uh, getting through to the semi finals, um, and 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 the way they performed in that tournament and Ruction and Rutschinen himself. But you know he's got a lot of cricket ahead of him, and there's no point in burning him out. Um, and it also adds New Zealand depth mm. as well, so it gives them plenty of options and opportunities to look at players and develop players going into World Cups.
0: It is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because like you say, ultimately, if you're looking at getting a team to peak for a World Cup, then it does feel quite logical what they're doing. But at the same time, they've got a home summer where realistically home fans want to see the players that they are most excited about. And happily for the series coming up against Pakistan, a couple of those players are back. I'm speaking primarily uh, of Kane Williamson, who tonight we're going to see in a T20 for New Zealand for the first time in more than a year, I believe. How do you think he's going to go?
1: Well, I think it's it showed Kim um, in regards to the way Kane performed at the World Cup, where he came in after... a I think game four it may have been, and he immediately scored runs. Um, you know, he, there's one thing about Kane is his preparation is outstanding. That's why he's a world-class player. Mm. But also his ability to be able to uh, foresee where the game is going. And so his training is very specific to the needs and the growth of the game itself. But he, he's unique in that. Is, uh, he, his ability to be able to stay ahead of the opposition in terms of his growth and his talent and his run scoring is something that we've never ever seen before in in, in New Zealand cricket in particular. There's probably only two or three players in the world who have that ability, and we're gifted enough to be able to have one of them in our side. Uh, But he also shares that knowledge, and I think it's a different team intellectually when Kane Williamson is playing than when he's not they make less mistakes and if they do make mistakes they fix those mistakes very quickly when he's involved in and around the side
0: i just want to pick up on what you said That when you say intellectually do you mean more in terms of your your game management when you are looking to ramp up the run scoring for example your field positioning what what areas are you referring to
1: I, I think in terms of uh, talent growth or ability growth. So that ability to be able to uh, be able to uh, look at how you performed in the last game and stay ahead of the opposition scouting of you for the next game. So you're actually training what you know they think is your weakness and turning it into a strength. Mm. So, so therefore so Most sides react To what the opposition presents So you do your scouting You find a weakness, let's say A short ball with a with, with player And then the player Gets exposed to that short ball He goes away to his coaching staff And he goes, help me fix, fix the short ball Because they're taking advantage of it And then he turns it back into a strength Well Kane has that ability to stay ahead Of the scouting of the opposition so he knows pretty much where he, because he's honest,
0: mm.
1: where he is likely to be exposed or vulnerable and fixes it before the opposition actually realise it's a weakness in, in the first place. And when they do try and think it's a weakness, it's actually turned into a strength. Now, he actually gets that information through the side. There was no-one better than, I think, B.J. Watling, uh, I think of in particular, who I felt was a guy that learned from Kane uh, and turn himself into a world-class cricketer based on the same processes that Kane goes through.
0: Some really fascinating points there, John. And I just think from a, from a purely out-and-out fan perspective as well, when you talk about Kane in that way and the calibre of player he is, and of course we, we all know what an amazing player he is, but I also just think sometimes... Goodness, we must make the most of of understanding and being grateful and recognising the era that we're in when we do get the chance to watch him at home, like we can tonight. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that part in particular. And when it comes to this series in particular, John against Pakistan, they're two teams who know each other pretty well. Let's let's face it realistically when it comes to white ball cricket. So what are you? What are your expectations for this one?
1: Well, I think it will give New Zealand a really good measure because I think Pakistan are a side that, if they get their, um, uh, if they get their strategy and their motivation right, are contenders for the World Cup. Mm. Um, in particular, in the West Indies, where the wickets are slightly likely to be a little bit variable, um, and, and, and I think the strength of that Pakistani side is that ability to be able to bowl. On wickets that slow up, um, so they they actually wear as the game goes on, and they can, they and they can change. I think because they've got a good variety of of, of spin, uh, they've got a good variety of some spin bowlers who can bat, so it gives them options. So they're normally taking seven decent bowlers into every game, and a number of and then they've got some world class batters as well. So I think that they, they, you know, they're genuine talent contenders for the World Cup. So it'll give New Zealand an idea of one strategically how they have to go about the World Cup um, in terms of their uh, their balance, how many bowlers they can take in, how many batters they will require, um, and 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 how they will utilise those batters in what positions and and, and what their particular roles are. It's, Twenty twenty cricket is very, very specific to that role, and that role should only be measured um, uh, historically in isolation with everybody else who bats in the same position. Let's say openers should only be measured against openers, mm. you know. And, and a lot of a lot of uh, cricket statistics are measured across the whole of the team, regardless of the position that you play like a batting average, for yeah. example. Whereas in in 2020, if somebody bats at, at, at five, you're looking more at his strike rate than you are at the amount of runs that he gets, for example, or the average that he gets um, or he ends up with. So it'll give New Zealand that opportunity to make sure that the right pieces mm. are in place for the World Cup. And I think Gary stead has been very good at that, to be honest. Mm. As as, as a coach, I think he's been very good at being able to position his players in the right place at the right time going into tournaments.
0: I just want to touch on the batting there, not so much about the individual roles, but as a whole, because I think the batting did come to seem like a bit of an issue at the back end of last year in those one-days and T20s against Bangladesh. We saw a couple of uh, fairly untimely collapses, some different players, of course, in this series. Kane's back, Devon Conway's back. But do you think that Eden Park in particular will allow, perhaps uh, given the, the boundary sizes, it's normally a pretty good wicket, will allow for the New Zealand batters to perhaps just find their groove and find a bit of form again?
1: Well, I'll go back to last year. I think we saw Tom Latham get 100 uh, at, at Eden Park. Now, Tom Latham's not a power player. He's a good shot player. Now, I know he's not in the 2020, but it's a good shot ground. It's not necessarily one of those grounds where power is the only thing because you only have to control the ball a short distance to get to six. So good shot players are usually pretty successful at Eden Park. And New Zealand is chock full of good shot players, in particular um, Kane and 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 Devon Conway. Um, uh, I think uh, somebody like Daryl Mitchell, for example, who, who can be a real power player, but generally plays straight. Now, the shortest boundary at Eden Park is the one that's straight. And mm. all he has to do is keep hitting straight. So it's not about overpowering the ball. It's about controlling it and controlling the space as well. So New Zealand are pretty good at that. Um, and, and, and and I think where we come a little bit unstuck is where we actually come unstuck on the bigger ground where our guys tend to thrash at the ball a little more mm. rather than just play good shots. You know, they're good cricketers. They play Most of them play all formats of the game, and in particular our batters. Um, but if they stick to good shots, I think they'll be very successful.
0: I do sometimes feel as well that there's there's a certain uh, would you call it counterintuitive way for the opposition in which opposition often come to Eden Park and feel like they should be scoring at this? huge rate because of the boundaries and because there is so much talk about it and I sometimes think that perhaps that can be a little bit counterintuitive for them uh, in the sense that they look to blast it out and then end up holding out and the like. Is that fair or is that just me clinging to a hope?
1: (laughs) uh, No, I think you're bang on. I think that people, at Eden Park you don't have to hit 12s. you know. So they they tend to want to overhit the ball Mm. And that's why often the, the the shorter ball actually works at Eden Park. That are banging back of a length hard at the splice, and guys trying to hit the ball too hard, yeah. and ending up and ending up clopping it to a certain extent because they they're trying to they're, they're trying to thrash it uh, because they think they need to be scoring at 15 all the time rather than playing as I say good cricket shots. Mm. Some of the best innings I've seen at Eden Park. And I'll go back to the first ever 2020 where Ricky Ponting um, scored an 80-odd and never played anything that wasn't in the coaching manual. He just played very good cricket shots. And I'll go back to, once again, uh, Tom Latham's innings last year. They were just very good cricket shots. And so I think you, you, you bang on the money. The opposition turn up. And they got, and they tend to want to thrash at the ball mm. and therefore tend to cloth it. And a lot of balls don't even get outside the circle. Yeah, Just lobbing the mid-on, mid-off because they try to overhit it.
0: Well, we'll keep our uh, fingers crossed that the Pakistanis come into it with that attitude tonight. <laughs> hey, just before I let you go, John, one more topic that I just wanted to quickly touch on. Um, the team bringing in Andre Adams as a bowling coach. Now, I was in his press conference earlier in the week, very impressive sort of speaker and guy, very deep thinker, clearly. What do you make of him being in that role for the series?
1: Well, I think Andre Adams really came uh, into his own in the county circuit, where he was playing cricket consistently. and, and 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 out of that, I think uh, through that consistent amount of playing, I think his cricket intellect really grew. Um, and then he moved into the into the coaching realm in 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 Australia, uh, and and did a lot of work with New South Wales and and in particular the Sixers. And I think that that, that environment as well really uh, after under uh, Greg Shepard, the coach of the Sixers, um, really helped his cricket his cricket intellect in regards to bowling uh, and has helped him to focus on that. And then obviously having a good bowling attack around him with New South Wales, which mm. is basically the Australian bowling attack, uh, and being able to not just uh, help those guys as a bowling coach, but those guys would have helped him also... Learn about how to deal with elite athletes uh, and their temperaments, and their needs and their wants. So, I think it's quite a smart move from New Zealand cricket in terms of uh, taking advantage of, of, of that resource, mm. that intellectual resource that Andre has been able to build up and, and be able to tap in on that. Because that you know that New South Wales bowling attack is a world class bowling attack. Mm. And he's, he's worked quite extensively with those guys. So he will have a lot of information. And that will also help him with the likes of uh bolt if he comes into the side. Mm. But in particular, with the Tim Southey and people like that. So he'll continue to grow um, as a coach and develop those skills. Um, so, you know, really rich opportunity for New Zealand and, and, and an equally rich opportunity for Andre to, to continue on his journey as a coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, I wish I could talk to you about it more, but unfortunately we are out of time, John. So thank you so very much for your time. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight. You can, of course, hear John on the commentary box along with Tom Bartlett with the live commentary of that first T20 Black Caps against Pakistan at Eden Park. That'll be right here on ECNZ from 7pm. And that interview brought to you by Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door.